This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all new Score North 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm the Rami in that equation. He's Judd Zolgad. He's Phil Mackie. Jonathan Harrison, other side of the glass. And other news coming up. At 520, we'll wrap with Royce at 540. Some good digital content going out today from scorenorth.com. Judd and I did a cluster fun about the uh, Kirk Cousins, Case Keenum situation. Uh, Danny Cunningham and I did six minutes on fries because it deserves six minutes when you're talking about fries. Well, you did six minutes of, of, oh, of, 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 of a video. Yes. Okay. Six minutes. How's this going to be cut up? Uh, like into three episodes. Yeah, so oh, it's said, gonna be like it's gonna be like one, two, like Reds or something. Yeah, it's gonna be said, a multi. That said, it will be a series. It's a mini series debating fries, fast food chain fries, and it's worth give us a taste. Last second, give us a little taste. Well, the LA Times did their fry power rankings, their fast food French fry power rankings, and uh, I took some serious issues with it. I took some serious issues with their power rankings. So Danny and I. Had power rankings of our own. We told you what 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 issues we take with the LA Times power rankings. So I think part one in that series should be going up shortly, courtesy of our social media uh, manager. Just Seth. quickly, yes. I have never seen you two act so professionally proud <laughs> as you did when I came back in that room, and you're just like you just missed the best thing it's, ever. It's and probably, Danny's like, I, that's the best work I've ever it's done. It's probably the best and most important broadcast I've ever been a part of. Wow. I'm just going to say that. What were the parameters of this? You said the LA Times yeah. did a... Did it a, was really simple. They had taste and texture. But it was it just mainstream places? Was it fast food? It was fast food. All okay. fast food chains. And some of it, you know, a lot of fast food chains are regional. So there were ones on the list that I had not tried. And these are traditional fries. So Arby's Curly Fries. Yes. They, are they in the game or no? They're in the game and ranked way too low. I think they had them at number five. Because Arby's Curly Fries are... Amazing. Maybe number one. I'd tell you what my number one is. Oh, we but can't. No, you can't go <laughs> watch what, it. What was the <laughs> Burger King one that Manny mentioned? He he said their their ordinary fries are, eh, but he said, but the chicken fries. Yeah, chicken fries. I, I've never even heard of their chicken fries. Have you? Are there? Is it? Are is it? How have you never chicken? heard of chicken fries? I've heard of them, but is it chicken or is it? Is it? It's chicken. Okay, they're chicken strips, but I've heard of them. Thinner, just not a Burger King in in the shape of a fry. Okay, essentially, they're just chicken strips, but also. On the uh, social medias today, Judd, you had a tweet. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. At Judd Zolgad. Sorry, I forgot about my thing. It lit a, a little bit of a social media firestorm. Yeah, so I went and saw the Wild jump out to a 3-1 lead against the Flyers last night and then um, collapse and lose again. And so I thought to myself this morning, I got to put something out there about this. So I tweeted this this morning. Which Minnesota team? Twins, Wolves, Wild, and Vikings has you the most angry right now, and which are you most willing to forgive for their struggles? Because to a certain degree, everybody is struggling. 
So which one has you the most angry and which one are you right now the most willing to be like, yeah, that's going to be okay. I was somewhat surprised because I wouldn't say it's the majority, but I got a lot of wolves being mad at. I thought the wolves would be like, yeah, it's the wolves. Who cares? Because they, they've been, for, for the most part, so bad for so long. But I actually got a lot of feedback on the wolves and people who are right now upset at that team. Hmm. Um, the wolves are number one on my list. But, you know, the wolves and lynx combined because the lynx just lost one of the most, one of the best, most exciting players in the league and also lost Lindsey Whalen to retirement. So I don't know what their counterpunch is, but the Timberwolves for the third time in the 25 year or almost 30 year history of this franchise, 30 year history of this franchise have had one of, if not the best big men in the league and can't put a supporting cast around that player, can't find the right coach, all due respect to Ryan Saunders, we don't know yet, have front office turmoil, ownership turmoil. I mean, you know who the owner is, but it's tumultuous because of who the owner is. They've had Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, who's not on that level, and Carl Anthony Towns, who I think will be on the top, top level mm-hmm. when, when it's all said and done. How many franchises over? It's, it's a little bit, in some ways, like the Green Bay Packers stumble into Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back. And they can't figure out a defense half the time, right? Well, they did pay it off with two championships. The Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and can't figure out an offensive line with Andrew Luck or a defense. And the Timberwolves went Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, into Carl Anthony Towns. And everything around those guys is mostly a laughing stock. So I put the Timberwolves number one on the who am I mad at franchise. And I don't know how they're not number one. On, on almost everybody's list because of everything that Phil just laid out and then the path that they just chose to take leading up to and since the trade deadline where they made no moves, they weren't buyers, which they probably shouldn't have been. They weren't sellers, which they almost certainly should have been. They stand pat and then after the trade deadline decide now's a good time to start Dario Saric and put Taj Gibson on the bench. <laughs> right. And now's a good time to start talking about buying out Anthony Tolliver's contract. Like nothing about the way that they went about business leading up to and since the trade deadline seems to make any sense whatsoever at all. All right. <clears throat> I got a different one. So the Wolves frustrate me, but we we've talked about this on this show numerous times before. There's nothing that shocks me about it, unfortunately, because of the guy that owns the team and and how he has uh, bumbled through, basically. So it's disappointing, and and it might even be inexcusable, but it's not surprising. I think the thing that I think the team that actively frustrates me most right now, and this is going to be no surprise, and I think they're going to change it. The Wild, because the Wild took a big old swing and good for them a long time ago at being not just relevant, but being a really good team that could potentially make a Stanley Cup run, right? You sign you sign Parisi and Suter, and you don't do it just to sell tickets. That's part of it, but you also do it because the goal is a Stanley Cup parade. And at some point in time a while ago, because this team has now made six consecutive playoff appearances, six consecutive, and never gotten past the, the second round, which they have not done, I think, in three years. So at some point in time, I think a logical owner and a logical team would be like, okay, something has to be tweaked here a lot more. Something's not working. And to watch this franchise now have to have a new GM who uh, by a week from Monday at the trade deadline almost has to strip this thing down is sort of sad. 
Like there were way there were ways to identify players who weren't developing who could have been traded and moved for other assets. And instead it was like they kept taking a swing with the same group over and over yeah. and over and it would have been nice if somebody along the line had said, "All right, let's tweak this thing so what can we do?" And then by the time it was time for more than tweaks, they started talking about tweaks. So that frustrates me. So the other part of the question is, uh, which team do you forgive? Yeah, give a pass to. Give a pass to. Because everybody's struggling among the teams I gave you. Sure. And I give not a full 100% forever pass, but an in-the-moment pass to the Minnesota Vikings. We've been pretty hard on them about missing the playoffs and Kirk Cousins and the contract. And yeah, you had to do it, but he he's just underwhelming in a lot of different ways, right? But here's the thing. I give the Vikings full credit for trying. The Vikings try. Not every franchise can luck box their way into Baker Mayfield. Put it this way. The Vikings haven't been bad enough, except for that one year where they could have lost to Washington and had the number one pick or drafted Andrew Luck and they didn't. I mean, that's the only time in my life they've been close to bad enough to having the number one overall pick. So because of how great they are at building defenses and finding pretty good coaches, I mean, even Brad Childress is a punchline, but Brad Childress was a pretty good coach for a few years that brought them to an NFC Championship game, and Mike Zimmer is a really good coach, and they've had good defenses, and they've had skill position players from Randy Moss and Chris Carter to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and Adrian Peterson, Dalvin Cook, and they can't find a franchise quarterback, but it's not for lack of trying. They've done everything they can with short-term solutions, let's go get Brett Favre for a year, okay? Let's try Donovan McNabb for a year. What the hell? What can it hurt, right? All right, let's go pay well, for Kirk Cousins. I warned He's against out there. that one. Right, but, like, you can't fault the Vikings for not trying. You can fault the Twins for not trying in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just, you know, okay, go light some money on fire yeah. and see what happens with the big free agent. Gotcha. Um, you can fault the Timberwolves for not trying or being competent enough to try in the right way. But the Vikings... At some point, they just need to get lucky and find that 10-year quarterback. The team, so I I, pass. team I would say is easiest to forgive, although I don't, I don't even know that you would call it forgiveness or that they need forgiveness, but is the Twins. because, And the reason I say I don't know that you should call it forgiveness or that they need forgiveness is because I don't think they've really done anything wrong to this point. Now I'm talking about the current regime of Falvey and Levine. And I think any time that you, you bring in new a new GM, a new president of baseball operations that and especially when you're building it from the ground up like they are, you have to give them a window to get this thing right. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying you have to give that window before you pass judgment. And I know people are going to say, well, yeah, but look at what happened with Sano. Look at what happened with Buxton. These guys took huge steps back last year. And I'll go back to something that my guy Theo Epstein always says, which is that progress isn't linear especially in the store in the sport of baseball as guys are developing and, and learning the ways of the big leagues they will take steps back for entire seasons they'll take steps back and Buxton and Sano it, they were big steps back last year especially compared to the expectations that people had for them coming off of 2017 but I wouldn't let that uh, discourage you to the point where you just give up and throw in the towel on Buxton and Sano I think that, that there's still it's still a good possibility that those guys live up to or at least come close to living up to the expectations and, and the ceiling that we set for them. So I wouldn't even call it forgiveness. I would just say have a little patience with yeah. the Minnesota Twins more than anything. I think if we were to do this as a report card, the Twins right now with the current administration and roster would, would almost get an incomplete because 
they might be on the verge of something. We don't know. The Wild will default to there with Fenton. I'm frustrated now, but this is going to be, he's going to blow this entire thing up, and so it's going to be his baby starting really next year, and that will change this. Um, the Wolves get a big old F. The Wolves have just, they just fail. They, they're a comedy at times, which is too bad. The Vikings intrigued me, Phil, in what you said, because I feel like there were quite a few Twitter responses which sort of went down the path that you did. Do you think in some ways with the Vikings as well that we just feel bad for them too because of 2009? And, I mean, it's frustrating and makes you mad. But Blair Walsh, that game was won. Mm -hmm. And Blair Walsh goes wide left. My God, you know. Mm -hmm. Anderson, 98. In some ways, I wonder if we also... The Vikings do try, but I also wonder if we don't get that mad because we just sort of feel like, Damn, man, again, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's much more, the Vikings are much more of an unlucky snake-bitten franchise than the Timberwolves that just keep making mistakes. Yeah. The Timberwolves sign bad contracts and they hire bad people and they just, they it's all self-inflicted. And the Vikings, there's some self-inflicted stuff, but for the most part, they just haven't had the fortune. They just, like, how do you miss a 27-yard field goal? What are you doing? Right. Why is it that the first miss that you have all season is in the moment in which you need it from 38 yards, right? It's just, like, stuff that you throw your hands in the air and say, I don't I don't know what else we're supposed to do. Right. That's the way I feel about the Vikings. And they have definitely spent. Since, yeah. Since the Wilfs bought that team in 2005, the one thing with this team is they have gone out and spent and and retained players. It's hard to get really mad at the Vikings because, you know, you don't see guys walk for the most part. You don't see maddening, stupid moves. But you do see things that make you think, my God, it's just pathetic at this point. But you, you feel bad for them, I think, more than you actually feel mad at them. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to wrap with Roycey a little bit later on because we can have Rami just repeat his hockey question to Pat and get Pat's thoughts on it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. Can I leave early <laughs> Pat today? Pat put Rami up to the same exact question. Oh, I know. I got to breathe. It goes off. The puck it's goes off his ass. luck. <laughs> <laughs> so he agrees with me. Oh, yeah. All right. 100%. Uh, but in other news is coming up here. Iron on Hoops with Myron Metcalf. I can tell you about a player. as a rookie. Thought he was the toughest guy in the room. The resident tough guy said, you haven't proven anything, and that locker room cleared out, and man to man, they went at it. And that this rookie got his tail whooped. Now, those two are inseparable. I think Jimmy was trying to bring some of that out of Carl Towns to convince Andrew Wiggins, like, dude, you gotta do something to respond to all these people saying you're soft and don't deserve that money. You proved those people wrong. Myron on Hoops. Score North. And on scorenorth.com. Thanks, Jonathan. Gentlemen, Time for one of our newest and favorite segments. I love this segment. In other news. So much fun. Uh, it's the third time we've done this. If you missed the special Saturday episode of Mackie and Jeb with Rami, you can mm-hmm. find uh, you can find episode two of In Other News as well. Uh, Rami, it's your brainchild, so why don't you do the You'd honors? You'd like me to lead it again. off? Sure. All right. I have two for you, but we'll go around the horn and see if we have time to come back around for the second one. The first okay. one, In Other News, comes from California, and a runner who in self-defense killed a mountain lion with his bare hands. I heard about this story. This is one tough dude. The runner says he was running <laughs> alongside a trail outside Fort Collins when he heard a noise behind him and turned around. When he first saw the big cat, he turned toward it and tried to do a bit of a stare down. 
I'm, this guy's already braver than me. Um, imagine what? Yes. Imagine that being your thought, not crippling fear right. or your bodily functions and fluids. Let me stare this uncontrollable. Thing down. I'm going to hulk up and stare this mountain lion down. Survival instinct, man. The man started to back away while trying to make himself look big and shouting. Again, sounds stupid to me, but I guess maybe that's what you're supposed to do, or maybe not. It, is that what you're supposed to do? That's I don't I don't know. I watch Bear Grylls, and that's usually <laughs> his advice when he runs into a deadly creature. But the cat still pounced. His adrenaline was obviously off the chart. His instincts kicked in, and he used whatever it was that he had at his disposal to survive. Farrell, uh, the park ranger, said the man was unarmed without even a knife. So he used rocks to pound at the mountain lion before he was able to get his hands around its throat. He used his hands and feet to basically choke the animal. How do you use your feet to choke something? Okay, and this guy's not hopped up on drugs? No. He is, though. He's described as a man in his early 30s, quote, in very good shape and who's done his homework on how to survive an encounter with a mountain lion. Apparently so. He remembered reading about the situation in Washington where two friends were out mountain biking when they were attacked by a mountain lion and said uh, he read advice online and followed every piece of advice exactly. Who, who was being attacked by a mountain lion, thinks back to that article that they read on how to how to survive the mountain lion attack. That is not that is not what's running through my mind. Is there mind. like a playbook here? I don't know. Well, clearly. Checklist, checklist number six. Yep, got that. Okay. <laughs> number seven. Now I'm on to number seven. But the caveat to this story is that the mountain lion, they have uh, they've said, is probably from three to eight months old. And probably they can't tell the exact weight because it had been cannibalized since he committed this murder and and then the the park rangers came to find the remains but they think that it weighs anywhere from 20 to 60 pounds which to me it wasn't a full mountain lion then. no and they said that it was probably a mountain lion still in training in in terms of how to hunt uh that's not when i got to that part of the story it's not that impressive i kind of stopped being like 20 20 pounds <laughs> if the thing was 20 pounds they say 20 to 60 pounds 20 pounds is a fat house cat. That's yeah. not That's not even... And 50 pounds is like a kindergartner. <laughs> Are we sure he didn't kill a house cat? It was a mountain lion. No, or actually, sir. sir it was a, well, no, if, you know, when you're telling the story, it's a damn full-size <laughs> mountain lion. Wait, okay. Is go this back, impressive Go back not? for a second. Go back for a second. Yeah. Did you say the mountain lion was in training? Yes. The mountain lion... Mountain lions, they train to hunt. Well, yeah, they, there's a I learning don't. process for learning how to hunt. I just like an have adult this like mountain. montage go, going through through my head, like, like Rocky. A Rocky montage. The mountain lion. Dun, 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 so dun, dun, is this guy without injury? What what happened to this guy? Did he get um, stitches or anything? He's he's uh. Let me see if I can find the exact. Is there injuries. other pictures of wounds or anything? They don't say exactly. No, they actually didn't release his identity yet. I heard he's supposed to talk soon. Uh, all that they say is he's still recovering from non-life-threatening injuries at a hospital and quote processing what he went through both physically and mentally. Okay. Basically got attacked by a house cat. Yeah. Interesting. Right. In other news. And not surprisingly, the state that this comes from. A 14-year-old Florida girl is facing grand... Oh, Florida girl. Grand Florida theft. Man. No, no, oh, okay. no. 14-year-old. Nice change up. This is a child. 
but she's in big trouble. She's facing grand theft charges after she allegedly stole a pizza delivery driver's car early Wednesday morning. Police in Lee County said Josie Bigelow ordered two pizzas and had them sent to a neighbor's house in Lehigh Heights. When the driver went to the door to deliver the pizzas, Bigelow allegedly popped out from some nearby bushes and stole his unlocked 2006 Ford Taurus. The driver, 49-year-old Christopher Cook... Why would you steal a 2006 Ford Taurus of all cars? You're about to find out. Okay. The driver, 49-year-old Christopher Cook, told deputies he was walking to the front door when he saw a person come out from the woods, get into his car, and drive away along a canal, according to a Fort Myers television station. Police said Bigelow first drove to Lehigh Acres Middle School, but when a policeman approached the car, she drove off quickly, and her wild ride was tracked by a police helicopter. She was eventually apprehended about six miles from her house. Bigelow was charged with grand theft of an automobile and taken to a juvenile assessment center. She was... She was later released. Bigelow's father, Joseph, told the TV station his da- that his daughter's plan was to meet her boyfriend. Quote, I sent the cops text messages of her and her boyfriend talking about robbing people and all that. He said, adding the daughter needs a rear end whipping that in jail. It's a bold play to steal something you likely don't know how to use. Right? Exactly. <laughs> She's 14. Right. Exactly. And Cook, in the end, it has a happy story because he gave the pizzas that were ordered under false pretenses to the responding officers. That's very nice. So she, yes, so she stole a car at the age of 14, not because she liked the car, but because she wanted to go meet up with her boyfriend and they were going to go rob people. I thought you were going to say she just wanted the pizza. So so just to be clear. That'd cl- be us, Rami. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to be clear here. So she stole a car so that she could meet her boyfriend so that they could then go rob more things. Correct. Okay. Correct. So clearly his influence was very, very constructive. Life on the run. Sound like a couple of winners. (laughs) Florida. In other news, this is from the DailyMail.co.uk website. Always good for a few laughs. In an interesting twist, the inventor of GPS has lamented that people are unable to read maps because they are now, quote, too dependent on using their smartphones or satellite navigation devices. I can confirm, and I'm okay with it. Uh, and before we read on here, I believe we taught Judd on the show about three years ago how to use his GPS on his phone for the first time. And how has it been for you the last I love, three years? I love it. Do you ever? I am literally lost without it when I'm right. going to a place that I, I don't know now. Can I make a confession to you guys? Um, it took me two weeks of driving to this station and back to my place of living Sometimes multiple times a day before I could do it without GPS. And now that, you're now you're without the GPS. That's how useless I am without GPS. Yeah. yeah. I can go to the same place from the same place every day, sometimes twice for two weeks without learning my way. That's how dependent I've become on GPS. I feel like in today's society, directions and people's phone numbers are a lost art. Like I have no idea what my girlfriend's phone number is of five years, six years. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what my dad's phone number is now that he moved to Arizona ten years ago. Yeah, I have no zero idea. zero clue. I have I, no idea. If I was stranded yeah. in the cold somewhere without a phone and someone, you got to call someone you know, track down a stranger and call someone you know. I'll call nine one one. That's the right number, right? That's a person I know. I know Dawn's kind of. cell phone, but I don't. I don't know her work phone. Yeah. Like I mean, if, if I had to call her work, and I, I think that's fine because I, I'm, and there are differing beliefs on this theory, but I, I do believe the theory, and some very smart people agree with me that there's only so much information 
that you can store in your head. And we all have different capacities, but there's only so much information you can store in your head. So if we don't have to remember these useless things like directions and like phone numbers because we have devices that do it for us, it frees up brain power for more useful things. Right, that, like, like or that article, more useless things that we that we read like, or, or hear like or, or Kirk watch Cousins, and retain. Trading Kirk Cousins. Or right. like that Mountain Lion defense article you read back in Washington exactly. six years ago. Right. Good, if, that good, guy, if he had memorized ten phone numbers, he'd be dead article, right now. Yeah, he would. That fat house cat would have killed him. Come on, Mountain Lion. Come on. <laughs> but I'm a house cat. Come on, Mountain Lion. All right. Bradford Pickinson, the pioneer inventor of the navigation system relied upon by billions of people, said he worries about what impact its failure could have. Professor Parkinson received the Queen Elizabeth Prize for Engineering in London last night for his key role in developing GPS along with the rest of his team. They originally began working on the system in the 1970s as a military project, but were unaware of the revolutionary impact it would have on wider society. Quote, like all good things, GPS is something on which we can become too dependent, he said. He's worried that we're all going to be mindless robots who need direction. Hold on a second. I, I will fully admit right now that that I think among the things I've learned on this show, the GPS tutorial is the most valuable by far because I have no sense of direction. Like my brain is not good at that. So this did not this did not make me lazy. This saved me. What direction is that? I know. I told you before. I have right no there. Clue. I don't know. Like behind I told, we head. went through this before. You got three choices. years ago. Is that, that north way? north south? I have east no west. idea. I don't know. I'm gonna say west. Is that West? Okay. I don't know. I have no idea. I have Just no sense of direction. Three options. That way. So he said uh, East. <laughs> north. That's North. That's north. north. All right. Okay. I have no sense of direction. I'll never need so, to know that. So, but this guy's wrong. <laughs> it's not ruining me. It's saving me. Exactly. Because my brain doesn't work well. Exactly. Yeah. It's not o- my fault. The only time you're really screwed is if, you know, like all access to internet and phone towers and all those things go away which could happen soon if there's an apocalypse that's not true though so that's not true because my wife great sense of direction then you better treat her treat her nice i do but i'm fine then she's just my gps in other news i have another one in other news do you guys follow jose canseco on twitter at all (laughs) had to unfollow a couple years ago really i think it was the photo of his sliced finger that did me in finally refollow because he is entertaining and was extremely entertaining yesterday I'm going to read a few tweets, and then we're going to get to the crux of this story here, all right? Okay. So Jose Canseco yesterday tweeted out, stay away from the stock market for 30 days. Noted financial advisor, Jose Canseco, told you to stay away from the stock market for 30 days. He goes on to say, stay away from stock markets, particularly penny stocks. Drastic change. These are all separate tweets. Drastic (laughs) changes in Japan and China. Stay away from Bitcoin if it has the same structure as any pyramid scheme, but controlled by one individual. Then he completely changed course and said, come play golf with me and learn about aliens and time traveling. (laughs) Then said, spend the day with Jose. Come hang out with me and ask questions. Pick my brain. See what I'm really about. Contact Morgan at 702-374-3735. Quick, plug that number into your phone so you don't forget it. I am so in. Should we call that number right now? Just wait. You're going to really want to call that number by the time I'm done. When you're in Vegas, play a round of golf with me. Contact Morgan, (laughs) 702-374-3735. Next tweet. 
When you're in Vegas, come and let me teach you the art of power hitting with a baseball and softball. Contact Morgan at 702-373-whatever the phone number is. I lost track already. Next tweet. Come spend the day with me and my alien buddies. I'll show you Bigfoot and a real alien. Yes. Call Morgan in. at 702-374-3735. Hold on a second here. Next tweet. Go on a Bigfoot and alien excursion with Jose Canseco. Contact Morgan Management. Morgan added management to his name at 702-374-3735. Next tweet. 702. Okay. I need to partner up with someone who is tech-savvy enough to start a subscription-based internet show with me out of Las Vegas. Contact Morgan Management at 702-374-3735. So Jeff Cavanaugh, who, if you don't know, he works for uh, 105.3 The Fan in, uh, in Dallas and also writes for The Athletic. He got the details on the Jose Canseco alien Bigfoot excursion. Contacted Morgan, I guess. And got a response. Uh, Judd's calling the number right now. I'm calling it right now. It's ringing. And here is Morgan's response. Spend the weekend with Jose for $5,000 cash. It's got to be cash. That's always trustworthy. (laughs) Do we have that in the budget? I got to go. Only five lucky individuals will get a golden ticket. Oompa Loompas ain't got nothing on Bigfoot. (laughs) Travel in his custom RV to authentic alien sightings and proven Bigfoot habitats. How do you confirm that an alien sighting is authentic and a Bigfoot habitat is proven? That These things have not been proven or they wouldn't be the mystical creatures that they are. Camp out in the wild, tell stories, and maybe meet a real Bigfoot. You never know what's going to happen with Mr. Canseco, parentheses, food included. Only serious inquiries, please. <laughs> oh, only serious <laughs> I will help you book your flights to Vegas and set itineraries. Thank you, Morgan. Five grand in cash. That's all. It's 50% up front to secure your seat and 50% upon arrival because that's how all trustworthy transactions go down. Once we have secured our five lucky people, we will work with their schedules to set a date. It's not even a personalized greeting. <laughs> it's that woman's generic voice you get when you call Morgan. Did you leave a message? No. I hope. I hope. Well, now that they now they have his number, now it's just going to be spam call after spam call for him. Oh my god! I hope hey, this conversation. I hope this conversation started with Jose Canseco saying, "I need twenty five grand, quick stat." <laughs> Let's reverse engineer it. I need twelve thousand five hundred right now, and another twelve thousand five hundred in the near future. Can we set this up, uh, Andrew in Annandale? You have a GPS story for us. Hey guys, yeah. So I've worked for a uh, national pizza chain as a driver for God knows how many years, and uh, I had a guy that worked with us that was an Egyptian gentleman. Believe it or not, this guy drove cab in, in New York, so you, you would think he knows how to get around. He literally, and I'm not exaggerating, for months after starting with us in the particular city I was in, had to GPS his way to get home. Months. <laughs> every time he'd leave the restaurant, go out to his van, sit in his van for five minutes, plug his address in, and GPS his way home. I'm and believe dude. it or not, he got lost on his way home, even though he GPSed it. Man. Really? Yeah. That's impressive then, to get lost. And then lost. real quick before you guys hang up on me, i got to share something with you, Judd. You've been doing spots for uh, uh, SeatGeek? Yes. When, when, you put, when, you, uh, when you're doing your live read, 
you got to spell your name J U double D instead of the J U D D. J U double D. I'll start that tomorrow. So much more funny to hear on the radio. J U double D. You know what? I'm going to make a note of that right now. Thank you. It's the J U double D. I can sing it. It's the J-U-Double-D. Oh, man. We're going to wrap with Royce when we come back here. And in the meantime, we'll talk about TCL TVs. It's America's fastest-growing TV brand, one of the largest and best TV companies in the world these days. That's why we're decking out our entire Score North Studio collection here with TCL TVs and, uh, and getting some of that 4K picture quality. And also the 4,000-plus streaming channels we get with the built-in Roku device, giving us access to the most entertainment you're going to find on the planet right now. Now, some various quotes. If you were to go to Google, for instance, and type in TCL TV reviews, you would get rave reviews from top sites like CNET. The Editor's Choice Award from CNET uh, went to TCL TVs. PC Magazine is raving about TCL. USA Today's Review.com talking about... Images with more detail and brightness and color than most TVs that cost hundreds more. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. You can find out more about TCL at TCLUSA.com or any major local retailer here in the Twin Cities. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm going to wrap with Ricey here in just a second. But if you guys want, before we dive into uh, our Ricey session, got one bonus. final bonus in other news story here. In yeah. other news. Yes. All right. The Queen's Man chart. This is, if you've got kids in the car. If you're listening live right now, just uh, maybe turn it down a little bit. Just just for like 30 seconds until we get Pat on. Okay. The Queen's man charged with killing his ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. stuffing her into a suitcase, mm-hmm. and tossing it along a Connecticut roadway, admitted to cops that he did dump the body, but insisted that she died during one last intercourse romp. According to a criminal complaint. Wow. He was charged with kidnapping resulting in death and claimed to detectives that he did indeed connect with Valerie Reyes inside her home on January 29th. But he says, hey, during the uh, hookup, she fell on the floor and cracked her head. She fell on the floor? Yeah. What were you doing? He said and admitted he reacted to this situation by covering her mouth with packing tape, binding her arms and legs, okay. and forcing yeah, her into right. a suitcase. Look, I know accidents happen. This doesn't sound like any accident to me. I'm not Columbo or anything, but that doesn't sound like any accident I've ever heard of. Columbo? Just one more thing. Yes? Just one more question. <laughs> okay. That, that was his, his deal. <laughs> He'd always go back. Just one more question. Why admit you. it and then try to put a spin on it? Well, right. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, Pat, can we, uh, Rami had a hockey take for Judd earlier in the show, and we'd love okay. him to run this, right. run this by you. I think you. Rami was old enough to remember Colombo, but that's okay. Right. My dad watched it when I was growing up. But yeah, or th- your grandpa, make me feel really bad. That's my grandpa watched. I love Colombo, Patrick, you know that. My Great dad show. loved Kojak, too. And oh, Matt, Kojak. And Matlock. My dad was just big Rockford? on old, old detectives. Falk's glass eye freaked me out, man. I couldn't. Take it. <laughs> I, lo- I love that glass eye, the trench coat. <laughs> All right. I don't so- think a detective should have a glass eye. I want him to be able to see everything, not just up the trail. So, so anyway, Pat. So Pat, let's do it because I got to tell you the umpiring story. Too, yes. Okay. Yeah. What? So, so what? just to set this up, earlier uh, today, 
Uh, Rami said, I, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but sometime during the show, Rami was wa- Rami's not a hockey guy. He was watching hockey at a bar last night and, okay. and observed something about hockey he wanted to run by Judd. Well, it's something that I've, I've, I've been noticing for a long time, Pat, and I, I watched it happen last night, and I shared this observation with Danny Cunningham, our Wolves reporter, and he said, you got to share this with Judd, and I'll share it with you, Pat. And it's this. It seems to me... That the majority of goals scored in the NHL and in the sport of hockey are luck and happenstance. It never goes in the net the way the shooter intended for it to go in the net. It goes like off a skate, off a shoulder pad, off somebody's glove, and then it somehow wraps around the glass and slides along the ice and into the goal. It's never like he just shot it, he was aiming, and it went right where he aimed past a goalie and light the lamp. Uh, you're not far off. I've been Thank espousing you. that theory since I came out of Fulton, Minnesota, a hundred years ago. So uh, here's what I always say: They get into the postseason, the playoffs. They play overtime. They play for five hours, and then the puck hits somebody in the ass and goes <laughs> in, and the game's over. Uh, yeah, it's a random sport. There's no doubt about it. Now, if too evenly, if the teams are fairly evenly matched, which is 26 of the 30, and one in the NHL, but anyway, Judd, do you argue with that? No, it's fine. At this point, I give up. At this point, I give up. Umpire story. I want to hear the umpire story. All right. Now, Mackie might remember this. Was it, now we're talking early 2000s at Metrodome. Was it Koski? I I thought I had Koski's number, but I don't, so I couldn't call him. I was going to ask you, that got called out at second base for sliding into a guy on a double play that ended the game. Kotsky in Metrodome, 01, 02, something like that. Okay. And Jim Joyce was the umpire. And it's kind of controversial. One of the, you know, I think Gardy was managing by then because I'm sure if it, the game hadn't been over, he would have been carried away by ambulance, you know, but then uh, um, got ejected. But now we're all milling downstairs waiting to talk to Joyce, right? Yeah. And they they kind of wait to get off the field because they don't want to mess with Gardy and the twins and the fans and everything. So we're all waiting down in front of the visitor's locker room, waiting for the umpires to uh, walk in to go talk to Joyce about his decision. And, you know, back then the umpires were pretty free. You could knock on the door. Well, Sid, who then was, okay, let's go back. Uh, let's say we're going back 16 years, okay, mm-hmm. maybe 16 years. So he was of spry 82 or something like that, 82, 83. And he starts screaming at Joyce. <laughs> he starts screaming at Joyce. And now Joyce basically says, screams at the rest of us, get out of here, I'm not talking to any of you. So then I start screaming at Sid out in the hallway, MFing him up and down the side, telling him to, you know, you're the 82-year-old moron, you know, because uh, you know, we all wanted to talk to the guy. So they basically almost had to call a cops. I'm Sid and I out in the hallway screaming at <laughs> each other, which if Joyce overheard it, had to give him quite a laugh because he got us all stirred up. Anyway, that was it. I think it was Koski that slid in, uh, but I, I can't. I don't it. remember uh, the specific play, but uh, not shocking that, that Sid would take offense. Sid to. is screaming at an 82-year-old man, screaming at an umpire that he's 
screwed the Twins, and uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe they were pretty good that year. Yeah, yeah. Jim Joyce was just 02, out. Just would have been oh two, the oh three, oh four. They won the division. Jim Joyce had it out for the entire division. He said, over yeah, the next five years, I'll start with the Twins. I'll get to the Tigers. Yeah. Greatest thing that ever happened in Joyce's career, though, he just became this. He just every time he talked about it, he made it sound like you know he. He'd ordered a nuclear attack on somebody, you know. I mean, he was always so somber about it. He was actually a pretty good umpire, good ball and strike umpire. Yeah. He was, uh, that was, was man, that, that, the, the perfect game that wasn't was well, like. One it, of the worst calls ever. It, it, it was. That was worse than. That was worse than Den Kinger's call in the uh, in the World Series, but of course the stakes were a little higher. Yeah, it was. But, it, it is sad though. I know that we we talked about replay, and your sort of replay has jumped the shark a little bit. You said yesterday, but when all of America can watch that game yeah. live because the like ESPN broke in, and all of America can know within five seconds that that was the wrong call, yeah. and yet we can't rectify it in that moment. Well, but here was my biggest problem back then: all the other three umpires knew that he was out too. Yeah. And and they that's what they should say. They they should have had a system where, hey, you know, jo- Joyce was the crew chief, but somebody in that group's got to walk. They they have to have the power to walk over there. Even then, of course, they don't need it now. But to go over there and say, hey, Jim, you bleeped it up, and uh, he was out. And you know, you gotta you gotta do that. You know, you, you gotta get together and, and correct the call. But they, no, I'm. You know, that one obviously is one of the great reasons for having a replay because it was out. And, and, you know, Kansas City lost, I mean, St. Louis lost the World Series because of one almost as bad that they came about. So. Hey, Patrick, I'm very concerned. Your guy, Ostadiel, his arrival to camp is delayed because <laughs> visa. of visa issues. Again, seven straight no! no! But with, what, with the political situation with Venezuela, most of them didn't go home, you know. Most of the Venezuelans didn't go home. Our guy Willie is such a determined athlete that he went over there and played the full schedule of the Venezuelan League, and, you know, who knows when the hell he's going to get out. They said they think he's going to be out next week, but last year they last year they were saying the same thing, and it was, what, he missed three weeks, something like that. He didn't get out, but with the, you know, with the political situation, I we may never see him again, who knows. That would be too bad. But back in the day, all the Latin American guys who played all winter long, you know, to make money, I mean, Cesar Tovar would make, he'd play 60 games, you know, every winter to make some money. And he never got to spring training in time. He always had visa problems. They all had visa problems. But back then it was just an excuse. In this case, it might be reality because of, uh, we're not getting along too well with Venezuela in case you haven't noticed. Yeah, this. Uh, I, I hope no, I hope nothing stands in the way of a lengthy eight year run of Williams Astadio in a Twins <laughs> uniform. Okay, I don't care about foreign relations. Let's whatever yeah. needs to happen, let's make it happen. I just want to see him have five hundred at bats where he puts the ball in play four hundred ninety four times. Yes, That's all I want. You know, Agreed. we'll give him three walks and three strikes. Oh wait, we got to throw some beat by pitches in there. <laughs> he'll take. He'll take one off the elbow on his record. There's that one year on the record where he's got 13 hit by pitches, 10 strikeouts, and eight walks. <laughs> <laughs> he's got more hit. He got more hit by pitches than either of the other categories. Uh, Pat, you would have been I proud. Was over at the, I was over at the Red Sox today. Uh, oh. They're uh, 
They're uh, very optimistic about their starting staff. Yeah, I think sale. they probably they probably should be. <laughs> sale price Porcello. Uh, uh, who, am I, who am I missing here? Sale price Porcello. Uh, oh, Evaldi, uh, and that Eduardo Rodriguez. Who they still love. So, yeah, they're they're pretty optimistic. Yeah, they they probably should be. Uh, we have thirty and, seconds, uh, but you should you should be proud of our random Twins player of the day on Touch 'Em All today, Matthew Lecroy. We celebrated. Oh, today. Matthew, he was um, you know. Hell of a guy. He was going to be our DH to replace Big Poppy. It didn't quite work out like we no, did. Didn't. Uh, hell of a guy. He just he was a catcher who couldn't catch. Unfortunately, yeah. that was a problem. Couldn't throw more than catch. Make you uh, make you uh, sentimental for Josemiel Pinto. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> you know, he was he was a he was an Anglo Josemiel Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, right. that on his gravestone. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, Pat. We'll do you tomorrow. Right. That was a drop the mic. An Anglo Hosmeal Pinto. That was an all-timer right there, Royce. Your parents. Pure lies. He cut it off. All right, I'm done. It's hard, if, if, in case listeners can't figure it out, like, oh, the, those guys talk over each other when Royce's on. Like, we can't figure out when he's done talking sometimes. Was it like that when you hosted a show with him every day? Every second of the show for four years. <laughs> it's best to allow Pat to just transition by himself from topic to topic. <laughs> also, Pat would constantly forget to turn his microphone off. So oh. you imagine like diving over the desk as he's about to drop a board he's not supposed to and turn his mic off. He's the best. You can find his podcast, Do Royce Unchained and Mackie and Jub with Rami on demand at scorenorth.com. S-K-O-R-North.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.